Welcome to our summer series. Today's lesson is the story of gifts. And I'm very excited to introduce to you Shirley Crabb. I consider Shirley a founding member of the Hudson Valley Ministry. She was there before Lee and I arrived. And she is such a devoted sister. She's loved in the Hudson Valley and across our churches. She has a great gift, many great gifts. But at the top of them, her gift of song, her gift of singing, her gift of music. And she uses it to glorify God, to edify the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Shirley has a master's degree in classical voice from the Manhattan School of Music, and she also graduated from Northwestern University. Her latest recording is entitled Bridges, and it's a top five, a 50 jazz album on, the jazz, on jazz Week. It was given the Astounding Recording Award at the 2019 New York Bistro Awards. She is the 2020 Rockland County Awards Arts Award honoree, and she served on the Arts Council of Rockland. They're on their board of directors for numerous years. The last three years, she served as the chairperson of that board. She uses her gifts in many ways, but mostly I see her using her gift to glorify God, and I'm so encouraged by that. It's my special honor to introduce to you, Shirley Crabb. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with you today. So for those who don't know me, my name is Shirley Crabb, and I am a professional singer, a voiceover artist, and a voice teacher who became a disciple in 1989 while I was pursuing my master's degree in classical voice from the Manhattan School of Music. So after graduation, I started working full-time as a public school music teacher. I taught general music, I directed countless choral concerts and school musicals, and I pursued my professional singing career, but on a part-time basis. And in 1993, as a result of some really overzealous singing, I hemorrhaged my left vocal cord, and I had to stop singing. Now, my cords healed up nicely, but other factors began to erode my instrument. And for the next 10 years or so, singing became increasingly difficult because I had now developed varicosities on my vocal cords. So now believing that this new injury would be a permanent fixture in my life, I set my heart to trust this new path that God had chosen for me. And I devoted my heart and mind to using my gift of song by teaching nurturing and encouraging other people's talents, specifically the talent aspirations of my public school students. But in the background, I quietly prayed, Lord, if you are willing, please restore my voice. But if it's not your will, please help me to wholeheartedly share my love of music and passion for singing with my students. Then one day my ENT says to me, I can fix your vocal cords. And with nothing left to lose, I had laser surgery that miraculously restored my vocal cords. It was like nothing had ever happened to them. So then and there I promised God to make the most of this second chance and I began pursuing my professional career again. But those 10 years that I submitted to God's will had really changed me. 
my singing was like no longer about me just reaching out for fame. It was about me sharing my gift, sharing my passion for music, my heart, and my musical life with others. It was about using my talent to give glory to God because this is what I was made to do. So now, I told you all of this to give you a little bit of context. So here's the real story. During those 10 years when I was struggling to accept God's path for my career and working on being content, it was then that I met Dominique, Nate, Tony, Shawnee, Ellie, and her sister, Stephanie. By far the most talented students that I had ever had. And I believe that because God had taken my will out of the picture, I was able to focus on them. I could be present in their lives as a teacher, a mentor, and a nurturer of their talent and allow God to use my gift the way he wants it to be used. Oh, I have such joy knowing that they all went on to pursue creative careers. Now, Dominique and I became particularly close. I mean, she really shared my passion for singing. So we worked hard to get her accepted into the music program at Syracuse University. And when she got accepted, knowing that there was a campus ministry there, you know, I had one of those quick prayers and I asked for God to hook her up with the church so that she could become a Christian. And then I forgot about it. Four years later, she invites me up to hear her senior recital. And who is in the audience? I think it was Sean and Robin Barnes from Queens. I know it was ministry um, staff or leadership from Queens. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? And they replied, oh, we came to preach for the Syracuse Church and heard that one of the girls was studying the Bible and she was giving a recital. And when I heard the words studying the Bible and giving a recital in the same sentence, I remembered my prayer. And all I have to say is God is amazing. Well, Dominique is your sister and you guys all know her. I mean, she's awesome. And so, and outside of just that quick prayer, I know I didn't have anything to do with her becoming a Christian, but I do see God's work at hand when it comes to how me using my gift affected her. And so my best guess is that he used my gift for music to encourage a young girl named Dominique to use her gifts, which by the way, led her to Syracuse University where she became a Christian. And she now uses her gift to encourage many people. So now I'm gonna go off topic for a second. Well, it's not really off topic, but it's just a little side note. So while I was in grad school, one of my musician friends who speaks Hebrew, okay, this is way off, right? He told me that my name Shirley in Hebrew consists of two words, Shir and Leh, which in English translate to my song. So when I was struggling through my vocal issues, I held on to that thought that God had named me my song. I was meant to be a singer. This was my gift. And whether I was singing out loud or in my heart, that is who I am. And that is what I have to share with others. That's my gift, my happiness, 
and my good and faithful service to God. So in Matthew 25, it says, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So what will you give to others because you have put your two bags of gold to good use? I can't wait to see how God will use you. And just so that you know, in 2018, I took the early retirement. I left my teaching job and now I work full time as a jazz singer. I want to say thank you to Shirley for sharing her story with us, a story of gifts. And it's obvious how God has used Shirley in using her gifts. Shirley has chosen to use her gifts to glorify God, to edify the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. And that's a great, great thing. We're going to be talking about gifts right now. We've got a few scriptures to share, some ideas to share about using our gifts for God. And I want to begin with the scripture. You can look in your Bibles in Romans chapter 12. These are the words of Paul as he talks about gifts. Romans 12 verses 3 through 8. And I'll stop at points and just make a couple of points through this scripture right here. Paul writes, for I speak to you through the grace given to me. He's speaking through grace. He's been given this gift of speaking by the grace of God. And he's using his gift even as he writes this. Do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think. Our gifts ought to not make us proud. They should keep us humble. But think sensibly, each according to the measure of faith God has distributed to you. And then he uses this fantastic image of the church about it being like a body. I love images because I could put them in my mind and picture them and carry them around with me. He says, for as we have one body with many members and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members of one another. So this is the idea of the body of Christ. We're there with, with different gifts, different abilities, and yet we all use them together to build up the body. We'll talk more about that image. He writes in verse 6, We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And I want you to pay attention to those words there. Gifts according to the grace. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then he lists some of these gifts that we might have been given. If prophecy, prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. If ministry, minister. If teaching, teach. If encouragement, encourage. If giving, give generously. If leadership, lead diligently. If in showing mercy, do it cheerfully. And that's not the only set of gifts listed in the Bible. That's just one set. There are many, many gifts that God has given to members of his church. Think about this image again of the body. I appreciate that image because the image itself is just so clear. The eyes, they have a function. They see, and that helps the whole body. Ears have a function. They hear, and that helps the whole body. Our hands, they grab things. Our feet carry us along. Our heart 
circulates our blood, and all of those function for the good of the whole body. As members of the church, we function for the good of the whole body. We edify the church. We glorify God with our gift. We edify the church, and we help fulfill the mission of Jesus with our gifts. Now, let me go and talk about those words, gifts and grace. Let me do a short little brief, very, very brief Greek lesson here, and it won't overwhelm you. The word for gift is charisma. Charisma, and you probably, when you hear that word, think of the word charismatic, because it's based on that. Charismatic is a gifted person. A gifted person has charisma. So think of that word charisma and gift. But also, you hear the word charisma, what do you hear at the very beginning of that word? The word charis, charisma. Charis is a separate word, and it means grace, the grace of God. Charisma, gift, is built on charis. God's gifts are his gift to us. His grace is a grace which gifts us with fantastic gifts. So charisma and charis, they blend together. And there's this quote in the New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology and Exegesis. If that sounds like a heavy book, it is, because it's several books. I think it's five, maybe six volumes. But it's all word studies in the Greek. It's fantastic. You'd love it. Anyway, it says, It was apparently inconceivable to Paul that there should be any Christian without some gift of grace. I'm going to read that again. That word inconceivable reminds me of The Princess Bride. You've probably seen that movie. And the person in the movie who kept going, inconceivable. Everything at the time his plan was uh, foiled. Inconceivable. 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 Paul uses, or the writer uses that word in the right way here. It was apparently inconceivable to Paul that there should be any Christian without some gift of grace. We all have gifts that God has given us. At the same time, a single individual may be characterized by more than one charisma. Capacity for spiritual service is determined by one's present charisma. God has gifted us with different gifts. Let's use those gifts for him. Kenneth Boa who is a spiritual writer, writes about spiritual formation, says this about gifts and about grace. He writes, God has entrusted us with certain resources, gifts, and abilities. Our responsibility is to live by that trust, by managing these things well, according to his design and desire. Now, you probably notice in that definition there, he talks about God's role and he talks about our role and both of those are important and I think there's also a third role that I want to include in this discussion but God's role is that he gives us our gifts we need to thank him for that first Peter 4 verse 10 reads each person has received a special charisma a gift God's charisma gift use this gift for the servant ministry to each other be servant ministers as God as good stewards, according to the manifold grace of God. Use your gift according to God's grace. 
But God gives us gifts. One of my favorite verses is James 1, verse 17, where it talks about every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning or shadow of change. God is consistent, is the point, and he consistently gives us good gifts. That's just his nature. It's just who he is. You look at your life, you see the gifts that you have, and you thank God because God has given you those gifts. That's his role. That's what he does. For us, what do we do? We use those gifts for him. Boaz states that. Boaz says, our responsibility is to live by that trust, by managing these things well. And then he adds this, and it's so important, according to his design and desire. We use our gifts for God's design and desire to glorify God, to edify the church, to fulfill the mission of Christ. William Law, who wrote a book centuries ago called A Devout Call, A Serious Call, that's it, A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. It's an excellent book, short read, excellent book. He writes this, we must devote not only times and places to prayer, but be everywhere in the spirit of devotion, with hearts always set toward heaven, looking up to God in all our actions, and doing everything as his servants, living in the world as in a holy temple of God, and always worshiping him. Though not with our lips, yet with the thankfulness of our hearts, and then he adds this, the holiness of our actions and the pious and charitable use of our gifts. Now, he says a lot in all of that. We need to have continual devotion for God. In other words, our lives are a spiritual worship to God. We do that not with just words, but we do that with heart. But he also says we do it with a charitable use of our gifts. We give God our gifts. Because he's given those gifts to us to start with. Now you might ask, well, how do I ascertain my gifts? How do I know what gifts I have? That's a great question. I was teaching a class, I believe, to the campus students a few weeks ago. And one of the sisters asked this question about how do we ascertain our gifts? And fortunately, I just taught about this and had an answer for her. She actually supplied the first answer, prayer. I know that we should pray. And yes, we should. Prayer is important, and we can pray to God, ask, seek, and knock, and God will answer us. And so that's where we begin. We begin by going to God and saying, God, show me my gifts. Show me what I'm good at doing, and God will answer that. But then there's more that we can do also. We start there, and then we can examine ourselves. Self-examination is so good. So you can just simply ask yourself, what are you good at? What skill do you have that you can develop even more so you'll be more skilled in that area? What are your natural abilities? What are abilities in your life that you want to develop for God, that you just feel called to develop for God? Where is the Holy Spirit leading you? Are you listening for his voice? Are you listening for his guidance? He will lead and guide you. And so look for the Holy Spirit as well. And examine yourself as you listen 
for the voice of the Holy Spirit to guide you in areas where you can serve God in a greater, greater way. So examine yourself. But then another thing you can do, the third thing, prayer, self-examination, is ask people. Just ask. Talk to people. What do you think I can do to help out the church? have a, a young person that I'm, or a person that I'm reaching out to right now, a man that I'm reaching out to, and he asked me constantly, you know, what can I do for the church? What can I do to help other people? And that's such a great question. And it shows his learning spirit that he asked that question, and, and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, are you asking people, what do you think I can do for the church? For some people, it's just so obvious Efren and Cindy Ponsadas in the Hudson Valley Ministry, they are amazing servants in the church. I mean, Cindy is naturally gifted with evangelism. I mean, it is just who she is. She's amazing. And Efren, if you ever need a volunteer for everything, anything, his his hand is the first one up. That's an ability he has. That's a gift he has. And it's clear. So if you're not so clear, pray, examine yourself. And ask people, and it will become clear. The Holy Spirit will make it clear to you. Now, I mentioned God's role, and I mentioned our role. The third thing I want to add to this is the church's role. I think the church has a role in us using our gifts for God. The church has a role, and I think also a responsibility, because we are members of the church. Well, the church ought to help us to find ways in which we can use our gifts and function to build up the whole body of Christ. And I go to Ephesians 4 for this. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists of the good news of the gospel, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers. Why? And that's what Paul answers here, the why. To equip God's people for works of service for the building up of the body of Christ. That is the role of the church, to equip us. It's the role of the church to help us find ways that we can use our gifts and for God's purpose, for God's desire. And so I encourage all of us that are leading in the church, core leadership groups, to think of ways in which we can include more people and using their gifts, and talk to someone. If you're a member that you feel like, you know what, I've got this gift, I would like it to be developed, then ask. Ask someone to help you to develop that gift. I believe it's the role of the church to help each member to grow in Christ and be able to use whatever gift they have. If it's the gift of administration, if it's the gift of leadership, if it's the gift of ministry, if it's the gift of hospitality, if it's the gift of singing, if it's the gift of being cheerful, <laughs> showing mercy, whatever that gift is, we need to help each other to use our gifts for God. The church has a role in that. So there's God's role. He gives us the gifts. There's our role. We use the gifts, what? To glorify God, to edify the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus in seeking and saving the lost. And there's the church's role to equip us to use our gifts. So how are we doing with all of that? Are we using our gifts for God? Rick Warren writes this, if others don't use their gifts, you get cheated. And 
If you don't use your gifts, they get cheated. The use of gifts should be mutually beneficial to each other. And so I am encouraged when Shirley sings. I'm also really encouraged when Ryan McCullough teaches. When I see Efren Posadas out there doing his thing, serving in our ministry, that really makes me happy. And when I see Cindy Ponsadas sit down beside someone that she has never met before and in one minute's time become that person's best friend, <laughs> that really, I just love it. It makes me laugh. It makes me happy. And I should encourage them by using my gift to glorify God, to edify the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus. And if not, you know what that is? It's selfishness. I'm just being selfish if I don't use my gift to benefit other people. And selfishness is a sin. Selfish ambition is a sin. I don't need to just use the gifts for my own desire. I need to use my gifts because they come from God for God's glory. I want to close this message with a couple of more images for us to think about. And these, act, these images actually come from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he uses them in a speech, a speech, um, a letter, actually, a letter uh, from a Birmingham jail. You know, he was arrested and he was put in jail and he was actually living in Atlanta. And there were people that were critical of him. In fact, many church leaders were critical of him. Like, why don't you just stay in Atlanta and help out in Atlanta? Why do you have to go to Birmingham and help out there. And he answers that um, criticism in this letter. But he also uses a couple of beautiful and brilliant images that I want us to think about when we think about using our gifts for God. Okay. He writes this. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. And this is one of the most famous quotes that he ever wrote. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And here come the images. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. I love that. An inescapable network of mutuality. Tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. There is mutuality in the church. We are to build each other up. We are to encourage each other. And the use of gifts enables us to do that. He talks about this inescapable network of mutuality. Think of a spider web of it all being woven together. And each part of that spider web is important. If there's a gap in the spider web, then it weakens the whole web. And all of us, we come together in the church using our gifts to the glory of God, the edification of the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus. And there is this inescapable network of mutuality in the way that we use our gifts. Are we using our gifts for God? And then he talks about this tapestry, this beautiful tapestry, how we're tied into it, tied into a single garment of destiny. You look at a shirt, you look at a tapestry on a wall, and you see all these threads that come together, and they come together to build something much bigger than one single thread. 
It's the whole tapestry that you see. And you see the picture in front of you that's built of thousands and thousands of individual threads. And the church is like that. The church can be so dynamic because of the members that are in the church using their gifts for the glory of God, the edification of the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. How are each of us doing using our gift for God? You know, at some point, we are going to come out of COVID. At some point, we are going to come together again and worship together again. At some point, we are going to be out there involved in our neighborhoods, in our communities, serving in our communities, reaching out to our neighbors, building relationships, building friendships. Right now is when we need to start getting ready for that. And I think one of the ways that we can get ready for that is for each of us to ask, am I using my gift for God, for his glory, for the edification of the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus, to seek and to save the lost. I encourage you this week to take some time just for self-examination, for prayer, ask people, mainly ask yourself, how am I doing in using my gift to glorify God, to edify the church, and to fulfill the mission of Jesus? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that is nowhere more clear than his death on the cross. And we're going to take a few minutes right now to focus on the death and the resurrection of Jesus by taking communion. Look at that word, communion. What does it mean? Community. We come together in community to commune with God, who is part of our community as well. And all of that is about Charisma, charis, gifts, and grace. Let's go to God and let's reflect on the cross at this time. Father, we thank you so much for the gifts that you have given us. We know that they all come from you because you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Help us to be responsible in using our gifts. Help us to use them for your design and for your desire. And I pray, Father, that through this, that you will be glorified the church will be edified and we will fulfill the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. Allow the cross to guide us every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.